One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. This is Chris Vaughn in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to your final tennis podcast of 2022. And particular hello to Chris Vaughan from Minneapolis, Minnesota, who introduced the show there. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Not only for being a friend, Chris is a friend for 2023, uh, but also for teaching David that Minneapolis is indeed in Minnesota, I said, uh, it's Chris, the intro today, isn't it, from Minneapolis? And David said, no, Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, geography really wasn't my strong point, and it was the lowest point of the very low points of the lost law years in the 90s. Uh, I got thrown out of the uh, course before I even got a chance to take the exams. Um, so maybe I, should, maybe I should take them now, now that I know the Minneapolis news. And uh, David <laughs> Colon, the lost law years, is uh, a, a permanent fixture on our list of... Uh, Ideas for shows for for Friends of the Pod. Uh, Whether David will ever let it be made, I don't know, but we will keep putting it on the list. Uh, If you'd like to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast, the link to do so is in our show notes. We've only got six pet mascot slots left to fill. 44 have gone. All of the Grand Slam mascots have gone. All the presenter mascots have gone. We don't know who we've got yet. But we've all got someone. There was a there was a brief <laughs> moment where Matt informed me that two had gone, and someone was left on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> who, who would it have? Been? We should well, check with the, the two that had gone. Mm, who would it have been? Or maybe mm. we shouldn't put ourselves through that. Well, we are going to have to put ourselves through that because uh, we we ask. Uh, it's a first come, first served. So we will know who who, who would have been, been left, left on, the, on shelf. the shelf. Great, can't wait. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to get one of those six pet mascot slots, then get in there quick, quite frankly. And if you'd like an intro like Chris today, shout out, uh, executive producer, guest editor, all of that stuff. Uh, the link to find out about all of it is in our show notes. This is going to be a kind of wrapping up the straggly bits of tennis news that just keep trickling in because tennis never stops type podcast. That wasn't a hard sell I just did, was it? But uh, Plus hype. Plus Plus hype for 23. Hype for 2023. (laughs) Look, I mean, I'm joking, but tennis doesn't ever stop. I mean, I think tennis is literally happening as we speak. Somewhere in the Middle East. In that one where they've got the court colour coding, which really doesn't show up the ball. 
Is it, is it that one? In the... I'll be honest, I wouldn't know. I've not watched any of, <laughs> of the hashtag greatest show on earth, World Tennis League in Dubai. <laughs> yeah, it's exhibition season, isn't it? And, um, and then some. Exhibition season used to mean kind of that one sort of three-day weekend-long exhibition in Abu Dhabi, which was kind of a staging post, wasn't it, for players en route to Australia. And it's just proliferated mm. exhibition season. It now occupies the whole off-season, all sort of one month of it. There's there's events in, there was one in Saudi Arabia last week, wasn't there? One by Taylor Fritz, a million dollar purse just for winning that and goodness knows which is pretty similar to what he won for winning Indian Wells and goodness knows what else in in appearance fees for all the players there there's there's been Abu Dhabi as well I saw Emirati Khanu and Ons Jabur playing an exhibition there Rafael Nadal and Casper Ruud have been jollying around South America they've had a tour there's some sort of What's billing itself is the greatest show on earth happening in Dubai right now. There's the Battle of the Brits yeah. happening in Scotland with team captain Ali McCoist. <laughs> and Ian Holloway. And Ian Holloway. Holloway. I mean, things are getting out of hand, aren't they? Well, I, th- I think some of those you've just described, they don't feel like exhibitions. They feel like events that are trying to become tour events and an extension of the season and the players are buying into them in a way that is is making it so so it 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 further dilutes this idea that they want and need an off season if i mean yes you need a degree i i'm i guess there is a a degree that if you have some match play that's helpful for your next year and all the rest of it and they look at it as massive earning opportunities and some of them some of the players are more honest about that than others and okay would I would I just sniff at any, any financial offer that came my way? Some I absolutely would. Um, others maybe I wouldn't. But I do find it a bit sad that it doesn't seem to matter what the offer is, as long as it's big enough, it's accepted by vast numbers of tennis players. And I really do fancy keeping a bit of a record of the players that have played the most in December to see how they get along in the new year generally and how their year goes and whether they're any further advanced than where they were in November. And I know, look, I know it's a a, tr- a tricky business talking about places in the world where it feels morally or ethically not okay to, to take huge sums of money to, to go and play and potentially be an instrument of a sports washing Regime, and I'm sure with with the World Cup having just taken place in Qatar, people's appetites for discussion about that might be at an all time low. Everybody might feel like they've had their fill, and I know there's all sorts of arguments that fly around about, you know, there is there is no country with clean hands. You know, you could you could very well make the argument that the WTA finals shouldn't have been taking place in a state with such a poor and declining record on, on women's rights and in particular abortion rights. That I think that's quite a compelling argument, but it's what a boundary, isn't it? I mean, to, to quote another <clears throat> podcast that uh, that we all listen to, Filippo uh, Clare on the Guardian Football Weekly, we are all dining with the devil, aren't we? It's just a case of how long your spoon is, how long you're prepared for your spoon to be. And I think, I think the fact is, if your spoon is short enough for Saudi Arabia, 
it's pretty much short enough for anywhere, isn't it? You're saying, I will play anywhere It's too for short. Money. It's too short, isn't it? People's spoons will be different lengths and people have different judgments about those lengths. I accept that. But if your spoon is Saudi Arabia... Then <laughs> There's not much further to go. You're not really bothered at all about the ethics, I don't think. And, and that came up in golf this year, didn't it? Via actually a tennis journalist, Neil McClemon, was involved with the press conference at the, I think, the opening of the Live Saudi Tour. And he said to these players, well would you play in Russia at the moment? You know, where would you if not If invited play? by Putin mm. specifically, mm. and you were offered enough money, would you play? And they all got very nervous and didn't have an answer. They didn't say, they didn't say no, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think, that just, I think that just shows the point that you've made. There. That's hypothetical, I think, was one of the answers they yeah. got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Helpful. Uh, David, just to rile you up further, news from Nick Kyrgios' Instagram. The Miami Pickleball Club is being launched by Nick Kyrgios and Naomi Osaka. That silence you can hear, folks, is David's face just crumpling. That's information I didn't need. But yeah. I, Introducing I, the at Miami PC big welcome to our draft picks. We are coming for you at King James, at Easy Money Sniper, at Tom Brady. But I, but I saw it coming in as much as he's been back-chatting anybody who dares say a word against Pickleball mm. recently on Twitter, I noticed. And uh, clearly he's got a, a hand in the game. He's revealed that hand now. Um, and I'm quite sure they're making it worth his while, him investing or them paying him to invest. I don't know what the truth is of that, but... Um, Ricardo Baldanzi, David, says WTF is pickleball, face palm emoji. So <laughs> maybe reach out to him and form some kind of support group. Right. It's hard, isn't it? Because we all sort of want there to be a longer tennis off-season, I think. And yet, as soon as the tennis goes away... Things like this start popping up and you think, oh, I wish they'd just get back to playing tennis again. Yeah, it, it, you feel like, look, if there's going to be tennis all the time, let it be proper tennis. <laughs> Matt and I uh, got to get, you find us, by the way, incidentally, in uh, Tennis Podcast Tower's Solly Hull edition. Yeah. We're in David's dining room right now, looking out onto actual sunshine yeah. in Solly Hull. Um, That's not been seen here for two weeks. <laughs> we are we are honoured. Um, we've been up here doing various, well, hanging out mostly, but doing various different bits and bobs of planning for 2023. Matt and I uh, were together at Tennis Podcast Towers uh, London edition on Friday, uh, planning for our end of year quiz. And uh, f- f- to that end, I went on the WTA website to look something up. And uh, there were live scores at the top of the page, and they were moving, David. <laughs> tennis was happening. What? Clara Towson was playing tennis. Oh, why didn't you tell me? I'd have been in. Emily in Nichols that. and. Um, no. And, no. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, Olivia Nichols. Nichols. <laughs> Olivia Nichols and Alicia Barnett were, had just played doubles. Oh, I wish. I wish tennis, I'd known that. like. The, in Limoges? Yes. Belgium? I think. Uh, I mean, 
It's not going geography, well, is it? It's not going <laughs> for geography. <laughs> we can have our own little club, all, all in all, geography t- ten club. In, uh, the off-season seems to be a total illusion. Mm. I mean, here we all are with tennis podcast microphones in our hands. <laughs> well, no no well, shortage 20, of things to talk 21st about. 21st of December. Yeah, But honestly, it is a strange feeling doing a podcast. I haven't watched tennis... Since the end of the Davis Cup, yeah. you've missed the greatest it, show on earth, Matt. <laughs> You're genuinely, it. genuinely, I have zero interest. That, and that's the thing for me is yeah. you know, it's all well and good me making my views on what they should and shouldn't accept, and I feel very strongly about some elements of it. The main thing is, I'm just, I'm just not interested in watching the matches that are there because they're irrelevant. Mm. Um, I do think that there are some places, and I don't, I'm not going to include Saudi Arabia in this list, but I think there are some places that are chuffed to have these tennis players able to watch. Maybe they haven't got a tour event or, or something like that. Um, I, I will personally probably watch a bit of the Battle of the Brits tonight, just out of interest of seeing the best English players against the best Scottish players. And I'll be, I'm curious. I hope C- it works well. In, uh, in Holloway's captaincy. Less so in that. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I... Just generally, I think I think an off season is good for interest levels because I I told you both yesterday that I've missed talking to you about tennis on the show. I've missed podcasting. I've felt a bit empty recently, and that happens in an off season. It happens to me when the football off season happens and in the summer, and I look forward to the new season. You need to replenish that appetite for. Mm for the season to start. And I'm, I'm already, we're a week away, aren't we? We're one week away tomorrow. And just can't wait now for it to get going. But but proper tennis. I don't want to see exhibitions. I really am not inter- interested. No, and maybe I would be sort of less grumpy about them if there was a proper off-season. Right. If there was a three-month-long off-season and a month of that were occupied with exhibitions that I didn't feel like we're potentially compromising players' training blocks or compromising their it, their it? abilities to make technical changes to their game. You know, I want players, particularly young players, to have the time and the capacity to to properly improve and make significant technical changes if they want to. And I think that's pretty hard and it requires time. Billie Jean King, Matt was telling you about that, wasn't she, in relation to Coco Goff and her forehand? Yeah, and her opinion was that the best way for Goff to make a technical change would be to actually take some time off tour and have a longer period to work on it. And I understand that does sound like it probably would be the best solution, but it shouldn't be. You know, Mm. you shouldn't have to miss tour events to be able to make technical changes. You should have some kind of winter block, some kind of off-season where you can make those improvements, I think. Uh, Of course, I think Goff sort of can improve her forehand gradually and I'm sure her forehand in a couple of years time might look a bit technically different to it is now but not to have a just a chunk of time I think is is detrimental to probably the quality of the sport Mm. you know it's it's probably as you said it's gonna impact some players physically I mean Casper Ruud has barely stopped I think I did see a like a quick dash to the Maldives or somewhere on his Instagram. But then, then he was back to Norway. Then he was off to these exhibitions. He'd already been in, in South America. Goodness knows. I mean, he's, he, that could affect him at the start of next season. It, it mm. may very well. And that would, be, that would be a shame, I think, because he's made so much progress. Why, why potentially sacrifice that with 
and with do, all these exhibitions. Does he really need a trolley dash to get as much money in as he can? I don't see how mm. a guy who's made what he's made this last year and is going to likely make... And look, I know they're short careers. I do understand that. And um, people have said this to me before when a football player has moved from my team to Chelsea to play in their under-23 team, but they've you know, quadrupled their income for the next five years, whatever. And I just seem naive because they can secure their future. But Kasper Ruud has reached two Grand Slam finals. He's, re- he's been in the ATP final. He's loaded, and he's going to be fine. He's got great sponsors, all the rest of it. I just, I think he will probably be okay because he's such a robust athlete, and I don't think there's that much wrong with his game. He's figured out ways to protect his backhand. But Rublev sits a pass. I, I'm, I don't see them making strides off the back of just carrying on playing tennis all the time. No, same. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? And you're right, we should, we should keep it in the back of our minds, as, uh, our minds as much as Matt is trying to forget uh, <laughs> the greatest show on earth just now. Uh, another inevitability of the off-season, or of life, quite frankly, death, taxes and the coaching carousel. Uh, so news from said carousel. It's actually been... I'd say a little less active. It's been quiet, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. than usual. Uh, but we do have some bits and bobs. Emma Raducanu, we knew that she was uh, coachless after splitting from Dmitry Tursunov, who she was with for for some of the hard court season for the US Open. Um, Dmitry Tursunov is now with Belinda Bencic, incidentally. And Raducanu is now temporarily on a, on a uh, trial basis with Sebastian Sachs, who's a 30-year-old German. He's previously worked with Victoria Azarenka and most recently worked with Belinda Bencic for the past two seasons. So they've effectively done a sort of coaching swap, which is um, aptly incestuous, isn't it, for for tennis? Um, Full disclosure, I don't quite know what to make of this because I don't know much about him. Belinda Bencic has obviously had some great results, Olympic champion, um, Billie Jean King Cup uh, winner. Um, I think there have been periods where she's underachieved, definitely. Now's the time. Um, Now's the time, Belinda Bencic. Whereas I look at Raducanu and I think two years. Uh, ask me again in two years and I'll, ju- I'll give an opinion about where she is. But now is the time for Bencic, having won that Billie Jean King Cup, major significant victory on the back of her, her Olympic success, now she needs to do it on the tour at the Grand Slams. These this next eighteen months. Dmitry Tursunov's never coached a Grand Slam champion, has he? I mean, he's had some coaching success, but if if that's what that that has to be what Belinda Bencic is looking at it now, she has to be myopic about winning a Grand Slam, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think? Or at least going where she's never been before. Which is what, a final. she's never been beyond semis. Semis, yeah, never been right. to a final. But if you're an Olympic gold medalist. I don't know. I, I think she needs to be thinking win a slam. Hmm. Is Dimitri Tursunov the guy? Well, it's a, he's almost in super coach territory there. I, he's been mm, brought in. Exactly. Make, make the difference. Yeah. Make the difference, Dimitri. Come on, let's see what you've got now. Is he the guy? I don't know. I really don't know. And, but I think, I think he's definitely got something about him. I think it's about whether he gels 
really well with a, with a player. Um, I th- Which is an inter- sorry, an interesting one with Bencic because I believe her boyfriend is also on that team, mm. isn't he? Which creates a sort of pre-existing clique, doesn't it, for an outsider to come into and a very strong personality. I don't know. It's just the the gelling stage. Eyes emoji. I think on that. It, I think it might work, but it's only a hunch. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't think there's enough in his record. I mean, he he hasn't proven himself to be a difference maker for a player yet. The the question mark I have on Benchich is fangs, and I don't know if you can teach fangs. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also some game issues still with Bengtschik. I don't think her second serve is particularly strong. I think her forehand can sometimes let her down and fangs. And yet I still think she probably is good enough to certainly be going very deep in slams. That's been the weird thing. It's not like she's been consistently reaching quarters Mm. and semis and she sort of needs someone to help her get over the line. She's actually quite often not really shown up in slams and had bad results. And I actually think Tursunov will inject some, I don't know, some life, Spice. some energy, some spark. Um, yeah. he, he, had a, he had quite an immediate effect on the players he did work with before. True. Sabalenko and Kontovate, there were, mm. And even, even Raducanu did have some good results yeah. over, in the summer with him. So I'm... I'm I don't know if I'm excited about that partnership, but I think it might work. I'm interested because I think she's a more complete player than any of them. She, yes. mm. she may not have the power of Sabalenka, but she's so talented. And, she's, and they're tactically smart, yes. I think, as well. I just feel like he might, he might get her to just roar a bit out there yeah. and, and get the best out of her, whatever that is. And Raducanu with Sebastian Sachs? Don't have any knowledge of, of him from a personal perspective. No, for me, the most encouraging lines out of the Raducanu camp is that she's continuing to get the advice of Jez Green. Yes. And We've I think that is so gym, important. Jim Instagram posts, haven't we? A lot of yes. squats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a very um, off-season thing, isn't it? Yeah. Maria Sakkari oh, always scares me during yeah. the off-season. Um I think she retired from four four matches last year, Raducanu. And was definitely hampered in Hampered in lots. Well. You know, the, the rigours of the tour were tough for her. And I think that feels like the main progression that she needs mm. to make. I think yeah. also the forehand probably as well. Um, but that is encouraging. And yeah, I mean, Sachs is very much in line with some of the other coaches that she's had. She's not gone for Winforset, for example, who is... You know, available at the moment. He's sort of the top coach at the moment, but I think, you know, would come with a very heavy price. And they've also sort of gone with slightly lower tier coaches so and, far. And maybe might want guaranteed. Maybe might not be prepared to sign up to the sort of temporary mm. trial period type arrangement that Radicanu is favoured over the last year, or Radicanu's team have favoured. Uh, Carolina Pliskova is back with Sasha Bayin don't quite know what to make of that. I mean, the most key um, Carolina Pliskova quotes from the last few months were those that uh, she gave after working for a couple of weeks with Jez Green, mm. the aforementioned Jez Green. 
uh, who... Who isn't working with Jez Green? I don't, well, because Jez Green, <laughs> I think he's sort of officially yeah. with Dominic Team. had a couple of weeks off where he did some work with Karolina Pliskova, and he's sort of also working with Emma Adikani. But after those couple of weeks with Pliskova, Pliskova said... That absolutely life-changing. I don't know why I didn't do this 10 years ago. Yes. Which is amazing, but what I want to know is, is she doing it now? Is she keeping up what Jez Green told her? Is he still at the other end of the phone? I, on the basis of those quotes, I find that more significant than And what were Sasha these Bayern things? Being what, back. what were they doing that made such yeah. an enormous difference? Because she... Moving was, her feet. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I, I look. He's clearly a a good coach, Sasha Bayan, in terms of he's had he's had success. I mean, albeit with fantastic players, um, so you've always got to factor that in. But she's kind of in the the Benchich camp, albeit a little more over the hill, in as that she's already reached a <laughs> final. Um, I, do, I mean, can she ever do what she's done previously? Let alone. Get it, get it, get further than that. I suspect we've already seen the best of Carolina Pliskova. I suspect the same. Although I would have said that before Wimbledon 2021 as well, and before Montreal 2021. So I could very well be wrong. Uh, Bianca Andreescu is working with Christophe Lambert. Uh, maybe glad, it's glad Lambert. you read that out because I was definitely going to say could, Lambert. Could well he's he's a New Zealander, so it could be Lambert. Okay. Or he certainly has been working for Tennis in New Zealand. If it's not clear, folks, we don't know that much about Christophe <laughs> Lambert slash Lambert. Uh, he quit his role as High Performance Director at Tennis New Zealand in order to work with Andrescu. Uh, they've worked together before uh, when Lambert slash Lambert was working for Tennis Canada. So maybe he's Canadian? Maybe we'll, we'll try and find out. Maybe there's a missing R and it's but Christopher. I, <laughs> No, it's definitely Christoph. Okay. I like that she's working with somebody that knows her well and she obviously has a comfort level with. I think that potentially is quite important for Bianca Andreescu. She was with Sylvain Bruno, wasn't she, when she won her US Open title. That was somebody she'd worked with for a long time and she was clearly in a comfort zone with... I mean, obviously, old Christoph has got to have more going for him than than that i it's, hope it's that he's also a great it? coach but some people you want to have familiarity for and to, to to be in that kind of comfort zone others you feel like need to be removed from it and told some mm. home truths mm. maybe from from a more external source i don't really know what bianca andrescu is but i think the points you make are quite compelling that she had her greatest successes with sylvan when she was yeah, everything was de- going nicely, freewheeling downhill. So, and I, I don't know. I, 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 I think she's so good that she just needs to feel good out there yeah. and uh, put the work in. Of course, um, be given the right pointers, whatever those are. But just let her play. Let her be able to play. Yeah, and manifesting a run of good health for Bianca Andreescu in yeah. 2023. Let's let's see what she can do again. That's yes. Feels like she hasn't even really had that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it for for coaching carousel news for now. I mean, no doubt there'll be you know the second we put our microphones down, there'll (laughs) be some big 
big breaking coaching news. But um, yeah, that's it, it for now. It's been uh, it's been a quiet one so far. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with Legends of the Game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. We've had other news. Um, We've had uh, a couple of weeks ago, you probably saw this, created quite a stir on Twitter in particular, we had the news break that Fernando Vadasco has been provisionally suspended for two months after testing positive for the drug, and bear with me here, methylphenidate. Uh, now, methylphenidate uh, is a drug used to treat the condition uh, ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, Um And Vadasco explained that he had been diagnosed with ADHD and he had a therapeutic use exemption uh, with a prescription from his doctor. But crucially, he had neglected to renew that therapeutic use exemption when it expired. Therapeutic use exemptions are essentially um, passes um, from uh, the sports governing bodies to be permitted to take a banned substance for legitimate medical purposes. Vidasco accepted a voluntary ban, uh, which conveniently uh, lasted pretty much precisely for the off-season. Uh, so he'll be banned until January 8th, 2023. So he missed out on the exhibitions. Missed out. Although I don't think... 
bans apply to exhibitions? I don't know. Well, because they're not tour-sanctioned events. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Would the greatest show on earth have wanted to sign up for Nando Vadasco (laughs) is another question. Uh, The sample that tested positive uh, was collected at an ATP Challenger event in Rio de Janeiro in February, and that was found to contain the banned substance. Um, The quote we have is the ITIA accepts, which is the the doping authority, accepts that the player did not intend to cheat, that his violation was inadvertent and unintentional, and that he bears no significant fault or negligence for it. Uh, Pam Shriver, hello Pam, friend of the pod, said on Twitter, through grapevines of pro tennis, I hear that many players are on ADHD meds to help sharpen focus and concentration concentration in a manner that brings up integrity questions uh good on pam never afraid to to speak up um when she feels strongly about something in the sport uh riley apelka uh also not afraid to speak up shall we say (laughs) said on twitter one of the biggest issues in tennis why are guys taking adderall which is adhd medication for the first time in their life as adults legal doping he says and uh, as i'm sure you can imagine lots of other people have had uh, opinions about this as well not many high profile ones prepared to speak out in the way that pam and uh, riley apelka have there but therapeutic use exemptions this is not the first time they've come up in tennis they've come up an awful lot more in other sports you've got the example of um alberto salazar the former athletics coach um that uh well he's now been been banned from the sport for for other things but his his first controversy was um a questionable use of therapeutic use exemptions for a number of his athletes that was uh asthma medication i believe and uh that has also had a lot of that's very similar situations had a lot of spotlight on it in cycling a lot of cyclists have therapeutic use exemptions for asthma now there are schools of uh, medical thought that cyclists are more prone to developing asthma um there are also some schools that say that's rubbish i don't know we're not a cycling podcast there is a very good cycling podcast though isn't there there is for for anybody that wants one of those it's called cycling podcast (laughs) (laughs) we might have stolen one or two of their ideas um But the fact is, my understanding of ADHD, and let's stick to ADHD because, look, I think therapeutic use exemptions are a a thing that needs looking at in tennis. And Andy Murray's been talking about that for a while, hasn't he? He thinks there needs to be a far more transparent system surrounding therapeutic use exemptions. But in terms of ADHD, this is not a condition that you can develop via environmental factors in the way that you can with asthma. So I do think it's a a slightly different situation to asthma and cycling. Um, and look, we're going on a certain amount of anecdotal evidence here because the situation with TUEs isn't transparent. Should it be transparent? Obviously, then you're in tricky territory of people having to disclose their private medical information. It's all so tricky. But I do, th- I do think this is an issue that needs to be looked at. I just don't know the answers. It, it all makes me deeply uncomfortable. I don't, I don't want legitimate sufferers of ADHD. We've had Daria Gavrilova 
uh, Darius Saville now, the Australian players speak out and say, I, I have ADHD. I've had it since I was a kid. Um, and I really feel for her because... People are going to point fingers absolutely just by association, aren't they? Um, absolutely. And I, but but if but if what people are saying is right and it's as the use is as widespread as people are suggesting, and as I say, it's not transparent, so we don't know for sure. But if the anecdotal stuff we're hearing is right, then not all these players have got ADHD mm. for sure. Yeah, I, d- I don't expect as an onlooker, as a media member, as a fan to have access to everybody's medical records, that would be wrong. Um, but I do think that they need to have as tight a process for issuing TUEs as possible so that it comes from a central source that you have to apply to a governing body and everybody has to apply exactly the same way in order to ensure that you are med- medically entitled to it and that there can't be loopholes. And how does that differ from the current system? Where players, you just need a... It's like a sick note from a from a doctor at school yeah. um, to, to get you out of PE. You, you have a note from a... Obviously, they have to be a certified, you know, board-certified doctor or whatever, but you, ha- you can have a note from your own doctor um, and... and Provided that's a legit I mean, if note, that, to, then if if that's what it is, and I think I, I do want to you know, find out a little bit more about the process, but that doesn't feel good enough to me. Mm. Um, I, I I don't, and I also feel like some players are going to have more clout than others in those mm. circumstances, and and be able to employ you know shop around mm. <laughs> for doctors, you know. Um, yeah, it, it's just another one of those things that we don't. We don't have all the solutions, but it makes us feel uncomfortable, I think. And we don't we don't want to be feeling that way talking about the sport. We don't want to be watching this thing with doubts in the back of our mind and questions. Um Agreed. Is all I can say. I mean just we just there's some stuff going on out there that isn't quite right. There there yeah. are people with TUEs who shouldn't have them. I'm sure of that. Yeah. And, and, and that's that, the bottom that's line, isn't it? That's not good enough. Yeah. 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 And John Millman was someone else who who tweeted about it. He said, yes. um, in general, I don't really like TUEs in professional sport. It opens up way too many loopholes to legally dope. It's very unfortunate for those with legitimate need, as is the probable case here. He's referring to Vadasco there. However, it's long been known that if you want to dope, get a TUE. Mm. So I think he's he seems to be wanting quite a quite a line drawn get mm. rid of TUEs completely but then as as we've discussed for someone like Darius Saville that doesn't seem fair either so I think it's it's a very very Oof. very very difficult issue but yeah if if this has done anything I think it has kind of brought it out of the shadows a little bit yes um into the mainstream conversation a little bit more and which is no bad thing. It might make everyone uncomfortable, but, you know, hopefully discomfort en route to, if not resolution, then improvement in the situation. Um, more newsy stuff. I did promise a lovely bitty show, <laughs> didn't I? Uh, we'll get on to the hype in due course, the hype for 2023. But just to, to cover off the other bits of news, the LTA has been fined $1 million. That's £120,000 because 
the pound isn't worth anything anymore, um, has been fined a million dollars by the ATP for their ban on Russian and Belarusian players. This is the LTA statement. They said the LTA is deeply disappointed with this outcome. The ATP, in its finding, has shown no recognition of the exceptional circumstances created by Russia's invasion of Ukraine or the international sporting community and UK government's response to that invasion. The ATP appear to regard this matter as a straightforward breach of their rules, with a surprising lack of empathy shown for the situation in Ukraine and a clear lack of understanding of the unique circumstances the LTA faced. The financial impact of both this fine and the WTA's fine will have a material impact on the LTA's ability to develop and host tennis in this country. For example, we'd intended to host a number of ATP challenger level events to give more opportunities to lower ranked players in the first quarter of 2023 and will now not be able to do this, particularly given the possibility of further fines. We will carefully consider our response and we await the outcome of our appeal against the WTA's decision and sanction. Strong words, aren't they? Mm, the un- unusually strong words in if history is anything to go by but then when has history ever seen uh, a, a tournament like Wimbledon and then by extension the governing body of Great Britain banning players because of of something outside of the sport like this but you know these are also unique times with the invasion of Ukraine so there's a heck of a lot at play here I, I think that um that it sounds a bit naive to me if the LTA thought there wouldn't be significant repercussions from what's happened uh, and, and from banning players from the tours. But I'm not sure how you get back to a good position from here. That's That's the difficulty. Mm. And ultimately, everybody wants a situation, most importantly, that, that uh, the war in... Russia and in, in Ukraine, the, the invasion stops. That would that's the first thing that everybody wants. But obviously, that, that's beyond anybody's control within the sport of tennis. So, what do you do? Do you let Russian and Belarusian players back into Wimbledon? There have been reports that that would happen uh, this this next year. What about the LTA's tournaments? And these are significant sums of money, as as they've said. But I'm not that surprised, based on everything I heard over the last few months, that that's ended up being the case. And um, and they've definitely, you know, they're in a tricky position now. The LTA. Do we think that ban will continue in twenty twenty three? Feels like a bit of a cold war, doesn't it? Well, it is. It's a standoff. I I, I do think they will find a way to let unless uh, unless it changes significantly for even worse than we're in a situation now i think that they will find a way to 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 welcome russian and belarusian players back this year that's i mean that's from the reports that i've read from some of our colleagues it's also things i've heard and just generally mm. a hunch i don't i don't think that they necessarily thought that they would get the reaction that they got i think that they thought the other grand slams would mm. stand yeah. side by side shoulder to shoulder with them and do the same and none of them did and and suddenly wimbledon is out there on its own 
I think that was a pretty uncomfortable position to be in, even though they thought they were right. And I think that they still think that they were right, but they don't like how it's ended up. And the LTA tournaments, well, they followed Wimbledon. So um, they're probably, yeah, hoping that it just all can go away now, really. Mm. Yeah, I rather, same, I rather suspect. uh, I don't think there will be a we did the wrong thing type situation. I don't think there'll be any backing down to that extent, but I think they will perhaps find a way to to reverse the ban uh, for 2023. But we'll see and uh, we'll keep you posted. Um, uh, final other bits of news. We're going to end on uh, discussing the United Cup, which is the first event of, of 2023, which of course starts in 2022 because tennis... <laughs> Um, but before that, the the really sad news that I'm sure lots of you have heard, um, the death of tennis coach Nick Bollettieri at the age of uh, 91, coach of 10 world number one players, of course, uh, the founder of the Nick Bollettieri Academy, which became the IMG Academy, inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame in 2021. Um so many tributes poured into him. Uh, he is a man that has had an impact on the sport like almost no other, really. Um, it feels a shame to to pay any kind of tribute to him without Mary Carrillo here to do her impersonation, doesn't it? Because that is, that is, whenever his name gets mentioned, I hear Mary Carrillo in my head doing an impersonation of him. And that's, I, I hope, exactly how he would want it. And, and it, it was always done with such affection. Mm. Mary loved Nick Bolletieri and actually went to visit him in the last few months when she knew how unwell he was. And, and I know many players did. Many of his former pupils did. And there was always, throughout his coaching career, a lot of talk about whether, you know, whether he, he upset some people. I mean, certainly Jim Courier spoke out quite quite a lot about how he was, you know, put out by the way that Andre Agassi was favoured ahead of him. Mm. And yet Jim reconciled that in the years that passed. I think he was another visitor to his bedside and, and now speaks very warmly of Nick Bolletieri. And I think I think many people do. I think, look, he, he was a one-off, an absolute one-off. He was <laughs> no angel in some regards as well. But my word, what a character. And in my personal dealings with him and experience of him, commentating with him for a few years for BBC Radio when he was in his early 80s, the energy he had, the drive, the passion for the sport, the excitement came through in his voice. He would sit there for three hours alongside you and he would just, he was enjoying the sport as much as an 82 year old man who's coached all of these players and had the academy as as if he'd just discovered the sport for the first time. And um, and it was infectious. Everybody in the room was pumped because he was. Um, yeah, p- pumped is a great, <laughs> great word. I loved his company. Yeah. I really did. And he, and he had a fantastic voice. I mean, and look, he was massively important to the sport because he changed the way players were developed to, to a large degree. If you think of the of the players like Agassi and, and Maria Sharapova, he, he developed a, a location for them to go to no matter where they were in the world. You know, yes, I'm sure it was expensive and a lot of these players had to go through a, a difficult time in order to get used to the environment and move countries and all the rest of it. But he he created a pathway that just 
didn't used to be there and a style of play. And it wasn't to everybody's taste. Not everybody liked the Nick Bolletieri uh, mantra and all the rest of it. But, God, what a life. What a career. What a life. Yeah. What an impact absolutely. he had. Uh, Billie Jean King um, called him one of the sport's most passionate coaches and advocates. Nick was always positive and was able to get the best out of everyone fortunate enough to work with him. Um, so... Wonderful words of tribute from um, from all over the tennis world to Nick Bollicieri. And I think we're going to end on a look ahead to, well, eight days' time <laughs> when, the tennis, <laughs> when the tennis season officially gets underway with the inaugural United Cup, which we're eagerly awaiting, aren't we? We don't expect it to be perfect. We know that... It took a lot to get this thing across the line, to get it confirmed, to get both tours working together and on the same page in this way. We know that because of that work that it took to get it across the line, it's all happened quite last minute. Um, And this is new, you know, I expect them to make some mistakes and, you know, we'll, we'll call out those mistakes. But in the spirit of wanting this thing to succeed, we, we, we like the idea of the United Cup, don't we? I think we can Love all, it. all say that. And we, I want this thing to be great. Um, I don't expect it to be great in year one. I hope that it's really good. I mean, maybe it'll be great. I don't know. But I think there'll be loads of good things and yeah. loads of things you finish and think, oh, they could change that yeah. next time. Yeah, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine, so long as they're prepared to make those changes. Um, the schedule's out. I think it's actually been out for a while, hasn't it? Um, what... Tell us what we can expect, Matt, over the first few days of United Cup action. Well, we've got group stages in three different cities, Perth, Brisbane and Sydney. And then I think after those group stages, um, there are sort of um, city finals. And then the sort of final four end up going through to the final weekend of it, which is in Sydney. Um, I think the... 7th and 8th of, of January. Um, and there are some kind of like the ATP Cup in that there are going to be some matches where you think, who are these people? <laughs> are we going to be seeing Perv Larrakis? We again, are. Whose we first are name one, I can't remember. We are once again starting our uh, tennis season with, I think it's Mikhail Perv Larrakis. Okay. Um, and there are some sort of matches like the first match in Perth. Uh, between Greece and Bulgaria is Despina Papa Mikhail versus Isabella Shinakova. That's what you've been missing, isn't it, David? <laughs> Over the off season, <laughs> I tell you what: if they if they could just have half a decent crowd, I, I'll be into that because these will be a, a journey of discovery for me. <laughs> but you know, we also get brilliant matches like Elise Cornet versus Donna Vekic uh, and yes, Stefano Tsitsipas versus David Goffin and Nick Kyrgios versus Rafa Nadal um Jessica Bagula versus Petra Kvitova you know there's there's great potential in this event and uh, the format is uh, four singles um and then mixed doubles which that's one of my concerns I'm worried that we won't get that many mixed doubles yeah. matches I think if you had that as the first match or the middle match or something where you guarantee that it happens, I think that feels like... It happens like and a... it matters. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously when it, when it does happen, the mixed doubles, it will really matter because that will mean it's two yeah. all. 
Um, and I'm sure. But you want to max out on that, don't you? That's I want as many mixed doubles USP. matches as we can possibly yeah. get from this event because that's that's what it's about. And it occurred to me yesterday that this being the the first combined event of this this kind. Obviously, they didn't invent combined combined tennis. You've, you've got the Grand Slams. You've got the Hotman Cup, where there was you know similar format, um, individual singles, and then and then mixed doubles. But this is a ranking event, so. Men's results will affect women's ranking, and women's results will affect men's rankings. You know, if Stefano Sitsipas has a howler, Maria Sakkari <laughs> isn't going to be too pleased. I've and not thought of that. if Mikhail, Pervlarak- Mikhail Pervlarakis could affect Maria Sakkari's ranking, and he this, could, this could be fun. He could have an amazing time if they <laughs> perform and produce for him. Yeah, is that how many Sitsipas brothers have, have made the the Greek team? I don't think Petros is in. No, I don't think he is. Crikey, that's he is. a blow, He's not isn't on the it? Um, and I know, I know, there are big plans for you're going to get the sort of Labour Cup, United Cup style um, input from the the team on the sidelines, yeah. which you know, when done in the right way, I think I think all of tennis is a fan of, aren't we? I mean, that's that's. My uh, unique insight, I think. My good friend Stephen Farrow, who's the tournament director of the the whole thing, the United Cup, has been going from location to location to location. So Perth, Brisbane, and Sydney, and sitting in all of the player dugouts <laughs> in these empty stadia and just taking pictures of that the vantage right points. Job. You, you know what he's like. He, he's just so excited about staging it and trying to put on the best possible show they can. And look, you know. That's that gives me confidence because it's in his hands and those of Tennis Australia who are very good at staging events. But I just generally think that the the sport is ready for this event. It is crying out for it, and I think everybody realizes that. And I think that when the the men and the women get together and are on the sidelines together, I think that will be a, a cool moment. That's yeah. not something we've had before, um, and I just feel as though that will make other players want to be involved next year and there will be tweaks made and i'm optimistic yeah me too can't wait don't have to wait long i think it's a week today tomorrow We're, week tomorrow week 29th. tomorrow 29th of december mm. okay and that will there'll be a few days of that where that's the only tour tennis going on and then i think from the 2nd of january we then get you know, tour events. So we've also got um, Adelaide, which is a men's and women's event. That's where Djokovic is is starting his season. Ojealiasim, Medvedev, Rublev, Runa, Sinner. It's a great field there on the men's side and the women's side. Jabur, Sabalenka, Kasakina. Uh, and then there's also Auckland, which is back, I think, for the first time. Mm. Um, Venus Williams pandemic. just got given a wild card. She absolutely yeah. did. Wild card into that and into the Australian Open, which... I'm prepared to fight people who think that's that's a bad idea. Um, you, you can actually come at me on Twitter if you think that's a bad idea. I will, he doesn't say that. I don't say that very me. often. I think it's fabulous news. Um, and I believe that's also where Emma Raducanu is, is studying her season in, yes. in Auckland as well. So, yeah, it's, there's going to be loads of, loads of great tennis, end of December, start of January. And we will be back with our first weekly podcast of the year on the 2nd of January, by which time there'll be a few days action from the United Cup. So we'll digest that, bring you all of our thoughts on it. I think we'll have seen Kyrgios Nadal, hopefully, by that stage. And we'll have seen, what was that, Bulgaria-Greece matchup again? 
Matt. Oh, you mean um, Despina Papa Mikhail versus Is- Isabella Shinikova? That's the badger. That's the one. Yeah, we will <laughs> one a.m. in the UK. Tune in <laughs> on the second of January for our full match report. See how really from, up for it we are <laughs> from Matt. Uh, you did say you were pumped about the start of the yeah. season, David. So that's when we'll be back with our first weekly podcast of the year. Then, of course, we'll have one uh, the following week, wrapping up the United Cup and the events in in Adelaide, Auckland. All of it. Uh, we intend to record that podcast, Matt and I at least, from the airport on a route to Australia. Wow. That Results so cool. and delays permitting, <laughs> that is the plan. David will be following behind us the following day. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for that. Yes. We're relying... We're relying on tennis sort of going according to plan, mm. which, in my experience... <laughs> <laughs> Why would we be relying on that? That's plan A, anyway, folks. Because we might miss the end of it. We'll, uh, we'll let you know plan <laughs> B when we come up with it. Um, for Friends of the Tennis Podcast, over the next week, we've got two Q&As coming up for you, two separate Q&A podcasts. Uh, so if you'd like to become a friend and get access to those and the whole bank of bonus podcasts that uh, we've done over the course of the past year. We've got loads of Q&As in there. Roger Federer special. Uh, all of Tennis Relived are in there as well. And of course, you'll get access to all the extra bonus pods that we'll be doing in 2023 as well, including uh, Grand Slam review shows. They were new for 2022 and we'll, of course, be keeping those up in 2023 as well. So link is in our show notes to become a friend of the pod. Um, You can also get yourself an intro, a shout out, six pet mascot slots up for grabs. I'll be very disappointed if there are any unused uh, dog slots <laughs> come the start of 2023 um, thank you all so much for listening to the show and supporting it if you're able to or want to uh, and for spreading the word about the tennis podcast it's thanks to you that this thing continues to to grow and our enjoyment of doing it continues to grow just when you think it can't grow anymore it does we love making the tennis podcast for you so thank you for making it possible thank you in particular to friends of the pod who really do make it possible we have been to all four grand slams this year and that is because of the tennis podcast we're already booked to go to australia and to the french open we'll be at all four slams again in 2023 and maybe some other events besides as well we have some special thank yous don't we david yeah we we do because there are some people that I mean have backed us with with extraordinary sums really with gusto yeah and and made their pets our personal mascots and Darwin has been an absolute gem and a joy for me uh, so thank you Carrie for making Darwin my mascot not a success but a gem and a joy <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I didn't do too well in the newsletter predictions but I did do well. In the annual predictions, which is another slot that you can get involved in, a sort of annual tournament, which I finished third out of 71. So actually, Carrie and Darwin, I think I've been rather hard done to in that little uh, <laughs> but, but back to the newsletter predictions. <laughs> uh, Matt, your tribute to the dearly departed Gerald, your mascot for the year, is finishing top. 
of that newsletter predictions. It is, yes. Uh, and thank you to Daryl for putting forward Gerald as, as my mascot this year. I got quite a lot of texts throughout the year from Daryl. I think he really wanted to win. You know, even though he wasn't in it, he really wanted me to win. He was giving Aww. advice. Kind of backed the right horse, didn't he? And um, <laughs> I took it seriously. I had a good, I had a good run. I think I just kept picking Sviontek to win things when she was winning things, uh, which got me a good lead. And I, I hung on at the end. David was making making moves at the end, but was was how far back is too far back? You were too far back. I was too far back. <laughs> I was launching hail marys from sixty yards away. <laughs> Um, oh, and I should say, I did terribly in the annual predictions. Just to oh, good, just yeah. To even Matt it finished up. last of the three of us in the annual <laughs> predictions. Yeah, yeah, I did by a, very, by a long way. I did very respectably, not quite as well as you, but I'm I'm okay. Fifteenth or something for me. Uh, I think maybe even twelfth. Oh, okay, fine, mm, absolutely okay. fine. And uh, Carter, I can inform you that we came second in the newsletter predictions which again I'm, I'm okay with and who, who it's won- just very important to me that I don't finish last out of the three of us so second <laughs> in both who won our annual okay. who, who finished ahead of me in the annual predictions uh, Mark Hillman was second he, w- he did brilliantly at all the slam predictions where we pick our quarter finalists semi-finalists finalists and winners he was ahead he was winning However, we make some sort of season-long predictions right at the start in January that everyone forgets about. Um, I can't even remember what we've predicted until I go back to have a look at it. Um, And Jordan Holt ended up winning when you combined the slam predictions and those year-long predictions. Uh, He did absolutely brilliantly. And he is our winner and will be receiving some tennis podcast merch of his choice. So well done, Jordan. David's modelling some right now. Yeah, I will, I will pop a picture of that on uh, on Instagram shortly. Oh. Um, I'd like to say a very special thank you also to Essam, our ultimate predictions opponent for 2022. He took us on in the newsletter predictions, uh, the aforementioned newsletter predictions, which was won by Matt. A particular thanks to Essam, frankly, for making us all look good. <laughs> Cheers, Essam. Because <laughs> um, Essam finished a valiant uh, fourth out of four. <laughs> Um, which honestly, Essam, I am so grateful for. Appreciate you, Essam. Mm. And, and Essam was a delight to deal with because that's a lot of predictions that we make. And uh, he was always on the ball with his predictions and very, very easy to yes. work with if, if that and is And to work. beat. And, Great. Yeah. What a combination. Absolutely. The perfect <laughs> opponent. Uh, we're hoping for the same from Matthew in 2023. He's already signed up to be uh, an ultimate predictions opponent Matthew we are ready for you uh if there's only one way down it's one thing getting to the top Matt it's another thing staying there that's what they say yes Carlos Alcaraz and I have very similar seasons coming up (laughs) Uh, there are two spots left uh if anybody else would like to take us on for 2023 we would like to thank Ilana Kloss and Billie Jean King for sponsoring Billie Jean the dog for 2022 she's been desperately clawing at the door <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to invade the recording uh for the past hour to no avail uh, so thank you alana and billy jean that is much appreciated thank you to kyle weingartner and chris albert lee our 2022 executive producers and all around top blokes yeah they really are and uh and it's been i don't know i just love it i love this sort of um 
the regularity of being able to refer to them and think of the the support they've given us and uh, yeah they truly are top blokes mm, makes us feel warm inside kyle and uh chris I, I do this every time chris albert or chris <laughs> is it chris albert lee or chris albert lee <laughs> i think it's chris albert, albert lee. lee yes oh. thanks chris Cheers, Chris. <laughs> you really should know. I've sent him a lot of emails saying, hey, Chris. So Yeah, great. Okay. And he and hasn't corrected me. And he hasn't you. corrected me. Cool. So he's either really polite or he's called Chris. <laughs> great. Uh, if you'd like to be an executive producer and a top bloke or... This is gendered language, isn't it? Because I don't think there is a female equivalent of bloke. You're going to have to work on gal, that. Gal, top gal. It's a bit lame, isn't it? We'll, we'll finesse that. If you'd like to be... <laughs> A top bloke or gal in 2023, <laughs> you can. Uh, and I bet you really want to <laughs> after <laughs> after the sell that I just gave it. Uh, the links, as always, folks, are in our show notes. And our last mention of the day is for Bailey, our mascot for this episode. Bailey is owned by Juan and Bailey is a beautiful and full of energy Brittany Spaniel. Uh, love sitting next to me while we listen to the tennis podcast or alongside the rest of the family while watching Rafael Nadal at all times. That is the true, says Juan. Love that. A friend gave Bailey to us as a puppy because our family loves these dogs. Uh, they used to have four Brittany Spaniels. And uh, Juan says, my wife and kids all love him very much. Uh, there'll be a picture of Bailey in our newsletter and on our Instagram. So thank you, Juan, for bringing Bailey into our lives. And Matt, for the final time in 2022, we have shout-outs. We have Lee Ferguson in Gillingham, Kent. Right, Lee. Hello, Lee. Is Gillingham in Kent? Yeah. I thought Gillingham was up north. Yeah, it's in Kent. Okay. Again, geography today. <laughs> I, I mean, there, there, there may well be several Gillinghams. Um, I think they played last night, actually, Gillingham, didn't oh. they? In this the is like when I discovered Foster Millwall Wolves. was in London. You didn't know that? Even I knew that. <laughs> yeah, embarrassingly when did recently. You discover- recently? Quite recently, yeah. Where did you think it was? Like, I don't know, I'd never thought about it. I'd never <laughs> given it any thought at all. Yeah. <laughs> We're not great on geography. <laughs> it's a place that only exists as a football location i don't know it for anyone else i've never no. met or heard anyone say anyway no one from millwall's giving us a shout out so <laughs> not the moment never in the future now either um, but anyway thank you so much lee thank you lee uh we've got a sort of kent special today because we've got jane mcmenemy who's in seven oaks and jane says the shout out is actually for my daughter alice who is 11 years old and loves Aww. tennis and the tennis podcast oh Hi, Alice. Alice, I am sitting next to two number one balloons, or rather a set of number 11 balloons in honour of David's son, who's recently turned 11. So for today, we'll repurpose them for for you, Alice. Mm. And it's also about to be our 11th year of production. So, you know, it all works. Multi-purpose balloons. Jane and Alice, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We've got Laura Lane in Nottingham. Great name, Laura. All right, Laura. Laura was introduced to the tennis podcast in 2016 by her fellow enthusiast, Jane Bowers, and neither of them have missed one since, they say. Wow. 
Love that. From Nottingham, did you say? Yes. That is where I went to university and where my mum is from. Laura. Like Laura Robson and Laura Galassa, a player from the 90s. Laura Arrua Buena. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And has Laura Robson... I think that's spelled differently. Has Laura Robson become the Nottingham... Yes, she has. ...director? That's right, yeah. Gosh, it's all... It's all coming together. It's all connected. <laughs> uh, we've also got Lynn Rasmussen in oh Minnesota again. Hey. Oh, like Lynn Manuel Miranda? Uh, no, L Y N N E. Oh, okay. Like but... like Lynn from Alan Partridge, but Lynn's from Minnesota, so I won't understand that reference. <laughs> we just find, try to find lots of reasons to say Lynn Manuel Miranda because he listens to us. I do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you, Lynn. Yeah, thanks, Lynn. I'll spare you my Alan Partridge impression. And finally today, we've got Isabella Suarez in the Philippines. Wow. Oh, so hey, cool. Isabella. Right, Isabella. And Isabella comes with comes with dog news, Catherine. Oh. She says her favourite dog breed is the Schnauzer. Oh, And her life dog. goal is to own all three sizes at the same time. Just imagine such a trio on walks. She's, Mi- she's miniature, talking standard, miniature. and giant. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you'll have to show me a photo later because I don't know what they look like. She well, currently has a, sizes, David. She, she currently has a mini schnauzer named Socks. Oh, they've very, got very characterful faces, okay. schnauzers. They look wise. Mm. Marvellous. Isabella, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody that's had a shout out in 2022. All of it, all the pet <coughs> mascots, all of our mascots, executive producers, guest editors, uh, the lot of you. You make the show happen. So thank you very much. We cannot wait to come back in 2023 and do it all again uh, for the remainder of our 11th year and the start of our 12th extraordinary stuff thanks for listening happy holidays and we'll see you in 2023 why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.